Uh, we're going to be starting a new series today called Rhythms. As you know, I'm a musician, and uh, I, I learned what rhythm means very early on in my life, and rhythm is so important in a band. It's, you ever, if you've ever heard a band that doesn't have a drummer that has rhythm, you know how important rhythm is. Thankfully, all of our percussionists here have great rhythm, or even like a couple people in a group that don't have rhythm, like you're just really not cut out for that. It's so important. If you don't know the rhythm of the song, it throws everything off, regardless of what major chords or minor chords are over the top of it. And rhythm is simply, it's a repeated, expected um, beat that's occurring in music. It, it, and it, when you do it, it, it helps you to relax when you know the rhythm. Because otherwise, you're just searching for it constantly. What, what's the rhythm? And summer is such a time that it's hard to catch a rhythm. Regardless whether you've got little ones that are in school or you're beyond that, uh, there's vacations and different things, and it's very hard to, to get a rhythm going, to feel like you accomplished anything or that things are, are flowing for you. And it's hard to catch the rhythm. And I feel like a lot of us, like we look on an, a musician that doesn't understand rhythm, I think if we looked in on your spiritual journey, there's not really a, a rhythm to it. And if there is a rhythm, I'm not sure that you can, like we, we all, not just you, but we fully grasp that. Because I think that there's actually a rhythm to the spiritual seasons. And I want to begin a series today. It's a five-week series. We'll have a break in a couple of weeks for, uh, on our kids' weekend. We'll do family service, so all of our kids will be in here, and it'll be a ton of madness and a ton of fun, and so don't miss out on that. Uh, make sure to get your kids registered. We had not registered our kids till last night. Taryn's like, I guess we need to register our kids too. Yeah, we do. Um, and so ages 4 to 12, I think, or 11, um, so you can jump to the website and see that if you haven't signed up yet, but we're excited about that, but this series is going to be five weeks, and I'm going to talk through these these five different seasons, you know, like I said, we, we went up to the New England area, got to see Boston, it was my first time in Boston, and, and then spent the rest of the time in Maine, and uh, my wife's family is from up there, and so we just love it. It's just gorgeous this time of year. It was like highs in the upper 70s, lows in like the mid to low 60s, and like, I don't know about you, that's just kind of my heaven, that's just kind of my heaven right there, uh, weather-wise, and like thinking about coming back here is just like, you know, you just prepare yourself for the humidity, and they're all up there, they're like, you know, it's, it's real humid this time of year, so you'll have to excuse us. Like, <laughs> no, you don't know what humidity is, obviously. I, I remember I, I grew up in Central Florida, and there was one day I was like a runner for the front office when I was in um, elementary or middle school and uh, probably middle school, and I had to run out to a portable that was in the back of the building. I had one sheet of paper, and by the time I got there, it was soaking wet. It wasn't raining, but it had, it, you, could hold, you could not hold the paper over. It was bending over. It was just like wet through humidity. But it's funny, like when I'm up there, it's like, man, you know, during this season, I'm like, I could just stay here. This, this is amazing. Like if this, if this was the weather all season long, but it, it's funny, like we can look on another state's season and be jealous of it, but then you've got to live with eight months out of the year in which it's still May and it's still getting down to the 30s, right? And so many times in our seasons, we look on another person's season and we think it's all that. Like we, and we want, we want their season. But what I'm really leaning into through this is that God's faithful in all the seasons and we can be faithful in the seasons. And I think you can, in fact, begin to enjoy all of the seasons, 
That means you, you don't have to rush ahead of the beat anymore. You can just enjoy the rhythm because God does something and every season is spiritual and blessed in its own right. And so I think as we go through this, you'll, you'll begin to, you know, hopefully by the end, you'll be able to look and say, I'm in this kind of season and understand the spiritual seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time and a season for for everything under the sun, a time to harvest, a time to plant, and a, a, a time to die, and a time to live, a time to laugh, a time to cry. And so I'm going to talk about these five spiritual seasons over the next five or six weeks. And it's this. We're going to start today with the dry season. The dry season, which has not been physically Jacksonville lately. It's been super wet. Um, but maybe spiritually is going to be our, the content that we're focusing on. A dry season, next week we'll, we'll look at a sowing season. What it means to, to embrace and be faithful in the sowing season. A watering season will be where we go next. And then a pruning and then, of course, the harvest season. So we're going to look at these. There's nothing, I, I don't know, um, th- these are just kind of mine. Looking at the scriptures, what I, what I feel like are the five spiritual seasons that I see. You could probably take some more uh, and, and u- utilize some, some other things there. But these are going to be the five we're going to kind of teach around. And I, I want you to understand these, these five seasons. So today we're going to deal with dry, dry season. I, I think that's best described Maybe, you know how, I don't know, for, for many of you, you probably are not familiar, you don't use hashtags, um, but I've seen one that rolls around um, that says all the feels, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like when everything feels good, like you hear a great band and it just kind of moves you, or you're in a, 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 a church service like this, and you get all the feels, like that's kind of the idea, and so dry season is kind of the opposite of that, it's none of the feels, it's like nothing is clicking. It feels like I'm talking to the ceiling. It, it, it's very, there's nothing of feeling that we can operate from because nothing feels like it's clicking. Our relationships, even though there's people around us, they just seem a little bit superficial and they, they're not really working for us. And we've, maybe we're in kind of our own headspace as we're in this dry season Nothing. There's no fruit coming up on the ground. We're working hard. We're doing all the same things we do in other seasons. But frankly, life is just really hard in the dry season. You think about like what's gone on in California and Georgia and even here in North Florida somewhere. There's been a, a drought, right? Those type of seasons. And we don't really understand drought because we can always go to the, the grocery store to grab what we need to and the fruit and the food is always there. But if we were in a more rural setting, uh, maybe third world setting, and you lived off the land as last summer when I went to Guatemala, it was rainy season, yet it was still dry and the people were fearful of how they would provide for their families. And that's sometimes, like there becomes all this fear and pain in the dry season that I believe God's going to speak to us a lot about today. There's two types of dry seasons. And so if you find yourself in a dry season now or sometime in the future, I want you to understand the two types. So I'm really going to kind of give you two different directions here. And it's important that you make sure you know kind of which one is at play here. One is a self-inflicted dry season. Because here's the thing, I, I don't believe that God wants you to be in a dry season all the time. But if I 
kind of watch some of your lives, and as I know many of you well, I feel like there's some of us, we get to this dry season way too often when God is the, the bread of, of life. Like I think more so God's heart and intent is what we find in John chapter 4 when he's talking to the woman at the well, and he says, look, I've got water, I've got living water, where you will never have to come back to this physical well again. Like You, you won't have to keep doing the same game. And I think that's what we find ourselves in, these roller coasters. I think if we understand God's faithfulness in the dry season, we will have a greater opportunity to be faithful in the dry season. But many times we're in the dry season because of decisions we've made in our own actions. It's self-inflicted dry season. And, and it's important to also know that there's God-ordained dry seasons. Nahum, which is a prophet in the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, all talk that God is the one who is able to dry up the streams. So God is the living water, but he's also able to dry it up for purposes that he sees fit. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Let's talk about self-inflicted dry seasons. Let's talk about the causes. How did we get to this place? How do we get here? I think that's many times when I found myself in a dry season, I kind of have to look back a little bit, and I'm like, how did I get here? How did I get here? We, we, we took a hike. Um, we took a couple of hikes on our trip, and one of them, when it was just the, our family of five, we were climbing up this Mount Batty outside of Camden, Maine, and as we're going up, like, the directions are kind of terrible, and they're... Um, the markings are not very strong, at least for us like novice hikers. We, we didn't really know where we were going. We felt we were lost. And the more we got, went, the harder it got because I had a baby on my back. And we've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And, and it's just getting harder the steeper we climb. And we're beginning to wonder, did, we, did I miss something here? And I think that's kind of where we have to start is like, okay, let's kind of trace it back. If I'm in a dry season, let me see, did, did I take the wrong turn somewhere? I think there's three causes I want to highlight today. The first is disobedience. I took the wrong path. I knew what was right, and I, and, I, and I disobeyed. Second is distraction, and the third is disengagement. Disobedience, distraction, and disengagement. I think these are three causes for self-inflicted dry seasons. God didn't make you disobedient. God didn't rip your eyes off to, to focus, you know, and take... Uh, you know, a thousand hours of overtime over the course of six months. God didn't tell you to do that. Maybe he did. I don't know. But most of the time, like, he, he, he's not telling those things or disen, disengagement. Like, all of a sudden, the scriptures say, draw near to me and I'll, I'll draw near to you. God's always present, like his hands. Like, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And so even when all of a sudden it feels like we're in this place, God, God hasn't left us. And it it's knowing the truth that we have to go back to in a dry season. And the truth gets deeper and deeper. I think of like a, a very arid climate, like a desert. And I've never actually been in a place that I'm thinking of, but I've seen pictures of it where it's so dry that the ground is cracked. You familiar with the image? That I'm talking? It's so dry that it's cracked. And I think there is something to that in dry seasons that the seed that would be planted and pushed down in a more damp season into the clay or to the dirt. In dry season, the ground is so cracked, you can drop a seed down in there. 
Because when you actually do get the seed that's planted, like the truth or the revelation or the knowledge of kind of what God's doing in all of this, it can go really deep because that crack is like it's in the earth and it goes down. And so that, we've got to understand the cause um, because many times we, we don't know how to, to move forward until we really understand kind of what, what went wrong. Well, I've been walking in disobedience or I've really disengaged from the body or I've disengaged from my relationship with God. So how, how do we get out? Like maybe you're here today and you've been walking in a dry season. Nothing's working. There's none of the feels. Like it, it's, everything's a struggle. Everything's hard. And it feels like maybe it's been that for a while. How do we, how do we get out from here? Well, let me, let me give you just a, a few things here with some, some scriptures. And then we're going to move to 2 Kings chapter 4 and just land there for a few minutes. The first is that God's a well. There's life. He's a living water. And we've got to connect ourselves and stay at the well. We've got to draw near to the well. First of his presence. If you're in a dry season, draw near to his presence. When God gave the Ten Commandments and said, don't make any idols, he didn't, he didn't want us to ever have this mindset that we could leave his presence as if God was something that was fixed up in a, in a stage or altar area that we could enter into his presence and then exit his presence. You never exit his presence except for the times you disengage from it. Does that make sense? He's, he's, omni, he's omnipresent. You can't escape it, but it's in our hearts and it's in our minds in which we disengage and are distracted by those things and don't recognize that his presence is there. And so if you're in a self-inflicted dry season, you need to draw near to the well of his presence because he hasn't, he hasn't left you. He's, he's there. And, and many times we base that off of chill bumps or we base it off of um, like moments and like feelings. And, and, and what God does in dry seasons is, is the truth becomes deeper and deeper because none of that is at play. Maybe we've lived in a very superficial, shallow way with our faith and that's how we've gotten ourselves into this place of a self-inflicted dry season. And God uses it to take it deeper, take the truth deeper into us. So we have to draw near to the well of his presence. John 15, 4 says, says, abide in me and I will abide in you. As I abide in you, not I will. Abide in me and, and as I abide in you or remain in me or um, dwell. I love the word Dwell. Dwelling is like a, it's a home. I wonder, like, among us, like, do you understand that God's presence should be like our our home? And that's why I feel like I can go anywhere on this earth and I'm at, I do have this sense of spiritual home, even if they're not the physical home, because God's presence is going with me. And I think that we, we've got to remember that. And, I, and I, I just want to be like the psalmist said and like hunger and thirst to be in your presence. Better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And like I just, I wonder if, if like it was Jesus here this morning and you were just sitting down having a cup of coffee with Jesus and he said, hey, like where's your desire at for my presence? Like how much do you want me here? If you just had to rate that on a one to 10, like Jesus asked you a really hard question there. I think most of us, I think there's very few of us who would say, yeah, it's a 10, like my desire for Jesus and his presence and the presence of the spirit on a daily basis is a 10. I think if some of us are honest, like that's a depressing response we have to give Jesus. 
because we don't hunger and thirst for his presence. We don't have what the, the psalmist said, that it's better one day, one day than a thousand elsewhere. I mean, think about that, like in a physical sense, to be in God's presence for one day than to have a thousand doing all the amazing adventures. Like that is a hunger and a desire that I'm longing for for us, that we just long for his presence so much. We remain in him. We won't find ourselves in dry seasons. Most of our disobedience happens because we're not dwelling in his presence. If we were just daily in that, we, we don't find ourselves... We, we don't find ourselves distracted by other lovers that are less. Because his grace and his love is captivating. Like once you experience it, like it's just, it becomes heart-wrenching to disobey. We, 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 we repent so deeply for that. And so God's leading us. We've got to draw near to the well of his presence and to his word is the next one. Draw near. Like this is tried and true. His faithful word. I heard the story of this pastor who was quite influential in his region and really na- nationally as well. And at one point he had what in, in uh, the Christian world we seem to call a moral failure. He sinned and um, he had uh, an affair and um, uh, there were some other financial things he, he got himself tied up into, not within the church but elsewhere that were um, were sin as well, and he was sitting down, and it became a very public thing, and he was sitting down with a pastor, friend of him, who was really counseling him through this, you know, trying time of his disobedience that got him in that self-inflicted um, dry season, and he said, man, how'd you get here? Like, what in the world? Like, you preach against that like you, you help people walk, you've helped people walk through this same thing in their own lives, but in, in your own, you, you, how'd you get here? The pastor had to admit to his friend, and he said, I haven't had a quiet time with God in which I was not preparing for a sermon for over five years. Like real time, with, I'm not preparing for anything, I'm not teaching a class, I'm not... It's just me and the Lord and like God's word like teaching me and shaping me in five years. I think across this room, maybe it's not five years, but maybe it's been way too long. And we've lost a rhythm of daily sitting before the Lord's word. And it doesn't have to be chapter after chapter, book after book, like God give us the desire for that. But just a scripture I'm meditating on daily, just that one verse out of my devotional or whatever you need to help you kind of lock into that. Sign up for one of these, like, give me a verse every day and just meditate on that if you, if you don't know where else to start. But, like, there's a community here who really wants to help you learn to study God's word and understand that because it's a lamp to our feet. And you know where the lamp's not going to lead us? Because what we see in John 4 is that his desire was not to leave us in this dry place. But many times it's our own distraction, it's our own disobedience, it's our, our own disengagement from God's presence and from his word that lands us in this dry season. I'm just in a dry season. Well, you can change that. Like you, you can go to the well. You can go, his presence is available and ready for us. And then his body is the third one, drawn near to the well of his body. Man, it, it's, it's big. 
It's big. Maybe you've grown up around church and this is just kind of a religious thing you do. But I think when we begin to understand the scriptures and why Paul used on multiple occasions that it's like a body is because every part is necessary and significant. Your pinky finger, you don't think it's significant until it's not there. Then all of a sudden you're like, I kind of use that thing a lot. Like, I need an opposable there and I'm going to change everything. Like, I, I've been in a really physically, like, my body has been in a really dry season. I've been in, like, a lot of different, more dry climates, and I'm, like, super ashy as it is, but uh, I have to put lotion on two or three times a day, and uh, when I'm here, and, and it's a kind of a large bottle that I use, and I didn't get one of the travel containers, and so my body was, like, super dry. My hands, feet, my knees, my elbows, all that really dry for this whole month, really, and I, I was thinking about this as I was putting on uh, last night uh, after we got home and was thinking, man, I couldn't get this lotion on my feet without my hands. I couldn't get it on my elbows without one hand helping the other. And I just think that's how, what the body of Christ is like. Maybe you're in a dry season and God's going to use someone in the body of Christ. And so if I'm in a self-inflicted dry season and I'm struggling to get out, I don't run away, I don't disengage from the body of Christ. I run to the body of Christ hoping that there is some moisture for the areas that I'm, I'm dry in. And so we, we draw near to it. You know, this was not, this is, like the disengagement we find from the local body of Christ today where we kind of come around and it's very um, self-serve, like get what you, you, you want to get out of the body is nothing what we see in the scriptures. Like American belief in how we operate with the body of Christ is not what we see in the scriptures, okay? The the body we see in the scriptures is we are useful and engaged and like this is, like this becomes our family right here. And like we we do whatever not to come and take on on when we gather, but to come and to give because each one of us offers something and gives something to the body of Christ. And, and so it, it, it's this, right now in America, we have this very kind of selfish mindset, I'm gonna come and get me a word. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come and get filled up, but really what we see in the scriptures is that I'm gonna come and pour myself out. Like I need to be around the body. And, and, and when we've been, maybe you've been through a season where you've poured a lot out, there just hasn't been enough coming in, and it's maybe because you're not dwelling in his presence. Maybe it's because you're not dwelling in his word. Maybe it's because you're not dwelling in his body. And I hate to break it to you, but you probably got yourself in this dry season on your own. And so that's a hard word for us to hear, but God brings us. It's not just self-inflicted, but there's also God-ordained. God-ordained dry seasons. And that's kind of a whole different thing. And I think most of us, if somebody's in the room and kind of been walking through a dry season where there's nothing's working, or maybe even a financial dry season, this can very much be applied there. And we're going to look at a text here 2 Kings chapter 4, that will we'll land on that front as well if you're in a financial dry season. I think there's so many ways that this could apply to us in the seasons. Maybe you're experiencing it in one area but not another, and I think all the principles still apply to if, it, if it's spiritually everything seems to be fine, but for some reason financially there's a dry season. I think the truths hold all the same. And so 2 Kings chapter 4, we, we find the prophet Elisha, which is, is difficult for me because our youngest daughter, we named her Elisha, which means God is my salvation, and, and, um, and um, 
and now I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking about is that Elisha's a girl, but it's really, it's really a guy. It's a, it's a prophet in the Bible, and his name's Elisha. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7 here, and I believe that God's going to speak to us about dry seasons that he actually ordains and uses them. And there's honestly, I've got about a dozen texts I could go and preach here on God-ordained dry seasons, because you follow Israel, there's just a ton of places where you can look and kind of reference this, this thematic idea of dry season to those situations and how God brought them even there. So the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, uh, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves, hang, slaves, hang on there. So her husband, a prophet would kind of have not an entourage, but he'd have some men that would travel with him from town to town if there were safety issues to keep him just encouraged and, and just to do ministry with. So he'd have some people that were with him. And um, go back to, let's stay on verse one for a second. And so her husband who has passed away is one of these men. He's a good man. He reveres the Lord. He's honored the Lord. He's been serving what they constantly refer to in the text as the man of God, like the, the prophet God is speaking and using him in incredible ways. And so here we find that it's this guy, and because he's passed away, he's not able to provide income, and he's, they've gotten themselves into some debt, apparently. And now it's to the point where the, the, the creditor is coming to take his two kids, his two sons. And so most likely, if we're just kind of deducing it here, most likely the boys are young teenagers, preteens. If they were really young, he wouldn't go after the kids. That may be all they have, so they may be five and seven. I don't know. But, but most likely, my, my deduction would tell me that it's somewhere between 10 and 14, because at the age of 15, they'd begin to provide for the family and could make means. But regardless, they've got all this debt, and the creditor is saying it's, it's due. I don't care if your husband's dead. I'm taking your two kids. So she's living in fear. And so the prophet Elisha comes because this is one of his guys and he wants to figure out how he can best serve this lady. Verse two. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. How can I help you? It's so important, like with the other type of dry season, a self-inflicted, with a God-ordained, it's still, tra you trace it in a different way, not necessarily after you've traced it and said, okay, have I been disobedient? Have I been distracted? Have I been disengaged in any way? If you can honestly, like in your heart, you know, say, no, I, I, don't, I don't recognize anything, and, and you may not recognize it in that season, another season, well, I was disengaged on that front, and it kind of makes more sense, but... But after we run that trail, then we begin to ask ourselves, okay, what do I have in the house? What do I, what do I have in the house? What, what is there some oil left in? I think, that's, I think that's a principle here that God is teaching us through this text, that God can do something with what seems to be a little that for you may be a praying mother who's always been there for you and, and you're in this God-ordained season and you just can't see past the pain. You can't see past the, how hard it is 
And maybe it's that godly friend who is the little bit of oil left in, or maybe it's that one devotional you had six years ago that you went through and you haven't touched it in a while. And for whatever reason, God was just using Oswald Chambers, like, because he's got great content. He was just using him in that way. And, and maybe, like, that's you run back to the last season because you just don't know. Have you ever been there where you're just like, I, I'm in that, dr- like, where can I go? What has oil left in it? And, like, God's intention, like, and how he leans in, how, how, can I, how can I help you break through this season? Because I think God's intentions are not that you stay in financial poverty. It's not that you stay in um, this spiritual dry season on and on and on. That God wants to, to, to break through many of those things and to draw us out. So the, the words of the prophet, how can I help you? Maybe that's, it's, maybe it seems strange to you, but maybe that's what God's asking. Like, how... How can we get you from over here to over here? And she says, like she's looking, I got nothing. And that's most of the time what we feel like. I got nothing here except I do have some oil. I mean, it's, it's nothing. Like you, you probably wouldn't even want it. Like it's probably not good for anything. You couldn't do it. What are we going to do with this tiny little bit of oil? And many times we're overlooking the blessing that is there and what God's going to use. So I have to ask you, like, what's in, what's in your house? Like, what do you have? What do you have for me? It's, it's always been, I feel like worship through music has always been a place where there's always a little bit of oil left in there. And like when I'm running myself ragged and, and maybe I've gotten distracted or disengaged or I, I've missed the step somewhere along the way, always come back to the place in which God has met me, that oil that's always been left there, and, and it just begins to open up new doors and God's voice speaking into me. So what's in your house? Go, let's go to verse three. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. How many of you guys are like this, like you're real polite? I mean, like real polite, like if said, hey, go get some jars. Like you'd go to one neighbor, be like, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really, really sorry, but do you happen? Like I know you probably don't have anything, and it's okay. Like, you know, like we just keep apologizing for what we're going to ask. And Elisha's like setting her up. Like don't, don't just go and ask for a few. And so there's something here for us that our faith is going to be stretched beyond our comfort zone when you're in a dry season because I believe that God's brought you into that God-ordained dry season for three reasons. To break us, to shape us, and to teach us to trust. Those three things. To break us, to shape us, and to teach us to trust. Break us because we're not as humble as we think we are. To shape us because we're not as teachable as we say we are, and to teach us to trust because we don't trust near as much as what we think we do. So God has you, he's actually brought you in this season as opposed to before. He's brought you into this season to break you, to break me, to shape me, and to teach me to trust. And it's through these things that God brings us to a point of Faith, like, are we gonna are we are we gonna stretch our faith out beyond it? What we're comfortable in, 
And that's what, God is, that's what Elisha has asked this woman to do. Go and ask all your neighbors. I know you're embarrassed because of the situation that you're so in over your head. I know you're embarrassed because you can't provide for yourself. I know, I, but you need to stretch. You need to stretch and go and find all the empty jars. God will use the insignificant things, the empty things, those things that seem pointless and empty, God will use in your life. It may even be embarrassing for you in a dry season, but that's how God breaks us and he begins to shape us and teach us to trust him in the simple commands. Go back to the text there, I believe, uh, verse four. Then go inside. After you get all these jars around, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Put oil into all the jars. Whatever you have, just sprinkle a little bit. Keep it going. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So they're filling up one at a time. And as they're going, just pass them off. That's crazy because there's only a little bit of oil there. Like what we're, what we're seeing here, what we're reading here is an incredible miracle. That like we don't hear get talked a lot, but they're all through the text that we just don't even recognize. Just this little oil that, that Elisha brought and used this woman's faith to like stretch out in this season, which she was financially dry. She had no way to provide for herself. Obviously, she's like looking around, I've got nothing except this, and God's using these. And they begin to fill them up one at a time. Like God will perform miracles in private. That will be undeniable in public. He will perform miracles in private that will be undeniable in the public. But we've got to be willing to stretch ourselves, to embarrass ourselves, to go and ask for empty jars, and then people will know our circumstance or whatever is going on. God's going to do some miracles in a dry season to prepare you for ministry, for what he's going to do to bring that provision I mean, I begin to think about just people all throughout the Bible. Like some of us, like we, we need a Saul that, that became Paul. We need a Saul dry season where we go blind for a few days so that we come back more faithful to ministry, or not more faithful, we come back filled up with God's spirit and ready to conquer the ministry that God has laid before us. Some of us, we, we need a, a Moses season where we're insecure about what we've gone through and we have some wandering times, but God's going to tell you to stretch out your hands a couple of times where you actually have to do something with that faith and use what he's given you and trust him with what you have and what he's blessed you with. So God's going to use some of that and we need these moments of miracles in private. I feel like most of my miracles happen in private. Happen when nobody has even known what's going on. Things that you, you wouldn't even count as miracles. Like, and they happen in ways that like, you, you would never kind of believe from people that, that you, you wouldn't expect. And God uses so many different ways to surprise us with his power. And here in private, in this simple request, there's something about the simplicity of obedience in the simple things. And maybe you're trying to just crawl your way out of a God-ordained season, and you just need to be faithful and obedient 
and the simple. Don't be asking to part the seas when, when you won't spend daily time in the word. You know, like we just need to be faithful in the simple, what God has right in front of us. Because God's taking us somewhere. God's doing something in us. Like we, we see the moment. We're, we're, many times we're caught up in the moment. Maybe not. Maybe you look down ahead or, or dwell in the past. But many times we're caught up in the moment and we don't see the beginning of the point to the end of the point. God's not, he, he doesn't operate in time and space as we do. He stands above it all. Like he put time in place. We see multiple times in scripture where God just like blows our mind with how he overcomes and, and is supernatural from the natural things we're used to. And God is taking us from one place to the next, just like he was taking Joshua when they were standing at the Jordan River in Joshua chapter three. And they got to get to the other side of that river. And the only way they're going to get from one side to the other it's for his presence to stand in the gap, the Ark of the Covenant to move. As the elders held it up. And there was dry land, and the only way that God's going to get you from one place to the next is through a dry season. And his presence isn't absent. His presence is right in the middle of it. And like on the other side is Jericho, which is going to be another battle. He's going to take you through. And so I don't know where you're at on all this stuff, but let's finish the text and, and we'll begin to, to wrap this. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Let's finish it out. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. As far as... Her faith or her effort to go and bring those empty jars, the oil went. There was enough. Finish it out. She went and told the man of God, she told Elisha, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This was a woman that was at the end of her rope. Like she was on the verge of losing her children. Her husband has already passed away, and she's at the end of her rope, and she's looking around and she's like, I got nothing except that. So what's in your house? She brings it. And Elisha asked her to do something uncomfortable to stretch. That really stretched her faith, I believe, in some ways. Something that was silly or embarrassing to just get something empty that we think is empty. And God used it to fill it up, pay off the debts, and then to provide for her. And God has done that for us time and time again on a financial level where we looked and there was just a little. On a spiritual level, he's done it for us all. We, we had little to nothing. Our, our righteousness is but filthy rags to him, and he had made a way to fill it all the way to perfect righteousness. And so I just want to challenge you today and just know that God wants to provide in some maybe insignificant ways in your own eyes, but God's going to use the simple acts of obedience and openness to provide for you, both spiritually and physically and financially. God's going to provide in some surprising ways, but you've got to be willing to extend yourself and just let God move in the very, very simple out of that dry season. Some of us, were in self-inflicted dry seasons right now. 
walked in disobedience. We disengaged from the body of Christ. We disengaged from just a daily walk and, and relationship with God's word. And we just get caught up in our day. And we never even think, oh yeah, creator of the universe longs to have a relationship with me on a daily basis. We just forget about that. We're in these self-inflicted dry seasons. Sometimes we're getting there over and over again, but God wants to bring us into life, like flowing life. And even if he, there is a God-ordained dry season where God's brought you to a place, God's going to provide a way out of it through his body, through his presence, through his word. He's not going to leave you in that place. So there's a lot of ways and a lot of dynamics that this could be hitting. But Jesus said, look, you're not going to know the time or hour of my return but it's important that you understand the times. To understand, important you understand seasons. It, it, it matters. Like All of a sudden, when I know that God has led me into this season, I can just be at home with it. I was talking to somebody just before service. A few weeks ago, they um, having some, some pretty tough family stuff going on. Um, the health of a parent... And I could just tell, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a dry season. It's like, I, we're praying as hard as we can, but nothing's working. I saw, saw him today, and it was just a different countenance. I said, how you doing? He said, he said, I don't know how to describe it. He said, God's just given me peace in it. I said, yeah, peace that passes understanding, right? He's like, oh, yeah. He said, that makes sense. You're not going to understand that. You, you won't understand why God brought you right into that dry season right then. Most likely it's to break us, shape us, or to teach us to trust. But There may be some other things that God's doing in a dry season in your life, and I don't have the answers on all that, but I want to pray with you. If you're in that season, or if there's a dry season ahead and you just don't know it yet, I want to pray with you. And so I want to ask you to stand. Taryn's going to come and invite us to the table in just a moment. This band's going to lead us. I just want to pray over you if you're in that place today. You've been walking through a dry season spiritually. Maybe you're in a financial dry season. I don't know. God, we thank you across this house for your word that rings true today as much as when it was written and as much as this woman was desperate, God, in a place of financial like emptiness. God, you provided through the simple acts of obedience. You showed up. God, I just pray across this room that if any of us have gotten ourselves in this self-inflicted dry season, we've just we've disengaged. We haven't remained in you, God, as you've remained in us. We've been walking our own path without you. I just pray that you would draw us back in with your kindness, God. It's your kindness that brings us to repentance. God, I just pray that you would just bring revelation to our, our hearts for those that have been in a dry season maybe for their whole life and they've never encountered you, they've never come into a relationship with you as their Lord and as their Savior. God, I pray that today is that day when they cross that threshold in faith and say, I'm yours, God. I repent of my sins. You're my Savior. It's not by works that I can accomplish, but the faith in your grace accomplished at the cross. God, I thank you for each and every person that's in this room. God, we're all in different places, different seasons, but I know some of us are in this place right now. It's a word for somebody, and I just pray that it would be received and you would just illuminate it in our hearts through the power of your spirit, God. We trust you.